Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we discover God's glory in what He's doing around the world. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, church planters, and disciple makers as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. All right, let's get started. I am really happy to have Kelly and Cindy Robinette with me today, or more appropriately, I'm actually with them, but we'll get to that in just a second. Kelly and Cindy are missionaries to Cambodia, where they're involved in an amazing number of things, ranging from an orphanage to job training, and right now they're on furlough in the U.S., and I'm sitting in the kitchen with them. This is actually a special treat for me to be able to sit with the people I'm talking with in the same room. As we get started, we're going to look to Kelly and Cindy, though, to fill in some of the gaps because I've given just a little introduction. So would you guys mind just telling us a little bit about yourselves, the ministry, and then we'll, we'll go on from there. Okay. Thanks, Brian, for the opportunity to share a little bit about who we are and what we do, what God's doing through our lives. We've uh, been married 20-something years. Try to remember that number. Our kids are both uh, grown and out of the house now. Both have finished college. Our daughter just graduated from MTSU last week, and that's exciting. So uh, we've spent 28 years on a mission field and uh, saw our kids grow up there and saw God do some amazing things. And, uh, and some days we think we're just getting started, and then some days we're already looking towards what is God going to do in this last 10 or 15 years or 20, whatever he has for us. But we're definitely committed to being on the foreign mission field and doing the work that the Lord has for us there. So you mentioned that you're looking forward to what God's doing. Are you expecting in the next few years that God may shift a little bit about how you're doing ministry? Uh, That's kind of a loaded question. Not intentionally. (laughs) Well, I say that because it's always a moving target. Yeah. And I think this time that we came home for our visiting churches and family and friends and going back, there's more changes for us as it has been every time we've made some transition. And it's interesting because it just, I think, reflects uh, the work of the Holy Spirit that's always new and fresh and uh I think as a missionary, you have to be prepared to roll with what the Holy Spirit's doing. Very cool. So as we get started, one thing I like to do is try and start off with something that kind of humanizes missionaries a little bit, something that, because sometimes it can feel like missionaries are these other people that are just across Mm -hmm. the world and they're a different breed of people. And so I like to try and connect a little bit on a personal level. We've done a little bit of that before we got started just chatting. Would you mind sharing with us maybe something about yourselves that other people might not know, just something interesting maybe? Okay. um, I'll go first and then I'll let Cindy. Okay. Um, 
I'm probably the most least likely person you would ever imagine becoming a missionary yeah. or a minister of any kind. I grew up on a farm over in East Tennessee and uh, never really had any interest in God or church or any of those things. But at 21, after living the few years that I'd had, um, messing up a lot, drugs, alcohol, wrecking cars, you name it, I probably delved in it a little bit. And then God called me and and sent me to the mission field. And, and what I've noticed is that God is always training, always pushing the envelope and, and saying, I want you to do more. I want you to do something a little different, more than what you could, you know, you expect that you could have done. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm as common and practical as, as they come. Oh. And yet, God always is pushing me to do things that are not very practical. Yeah. And it's in that faith realm where God really shows himself true. And I just appreciate that in, in my walk with God. But my, my instinct is to be practical. Yeah. Very pr- I carry a leather man everywhere I go. I'm just a multi-tool kind of person. Yeah. But God pushes us into that faith realm. So Cindy has a very different story. Oh, yeah. Yes, I, very different from Kelly. I was born across from the Bible school in Minneapolis, Minnesota, when my father, while my father was attending Bible school. Uh, then he went on to pastor a church, so I was raised as a PK, a pastor's kid. And I would pray, Lord, do not let me marry a pastor. That was the last <laughs> thing I wanted. <laughs> and God does have a sense of humor, so he allowed me to marry a missionary instead. <laughs> but I did receive a call. Uh, when I was a senior in high school, I okay. felt called to be a nurse and to use that on the m- mission field. Really? And it was at Bible school, actually at the nursing home working while we were at Bible school that Kelly and I met. Okay. So you would have been just across the street from North Central when you were born? Correct. Oh, correct. Excellent. Yeah. So as, as we get into this, I'd like to hear, is there like a meaningful quote or a scripture that kind of underpins how you guys approach ministry? Um. A scripture that I always go back to is Genesis 12, 1 and 3, 1 through 3, that where God uh, made a covenant with Abraham. And, and Abraham's like one of the first really friends of God. And God called him to be a missionary to move to a new place and do something that he had never seen or done before. And God said, I'll, I'll bless you. So I think the first thing that scripture speaks to me is that God, God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. And that's, that scripture always uh, rings true in my heart and, and kind of guides me. Because when we see God's blessing in our life and we turn that into a blessing to others, those people find God and then become a blessing back to God. So it's a full circle, the blessings of God. Yeah. You're the first person that's pulled out Genesis when I've asked that. That's great. Yeah. And Cindy, did you have one as well? Uh, for me, it was Colossians three twenty three. In whatever you do, work at as working for the Lord, not for men. So I, uh, I've always been raised to have a high standard of work ethic, uh-huh. and everything I I do, I want it to be glorifying to God. Okay, good. Um, as we move a little bit further, one of the things I've noticed uh, is a lot of times it seems like we look at other people's lives, whether they're missionaries or the people across the street, and we have what I call the Facebook effect. Everything in life looks like somebody else's highlight reel. It's pictures of puppies and kittens and happiness. But we all have challenges. We all have places of failure in our lives and things like that. What I'd like to hear from you guys is maybe a time when you faced a significant challenge, but 
And I want to hear the story of that challenge, but not just the challenge. I also want to hear what God did in that time. Mm -hmm. Well, you can imagine 28 years on the, on a, on a pioneer mission field. We've always been pushed out to the forest reaches and places where nobody'd been yet. And it's just a daily struggle, a daily challenge. And, uh, you always fight against fear. Yeah. And, uh, lack of protection you know the fear that what if they shoot us tomorrow what if they steal everything we have tomorrow what if they kill us you know what if they get so angry that we're here that they decide let's just kill them (laughs) um those are real fears and yet anytime that has ever come our way and it has many times god has always been there always and sometimes it's hard to even put into words that feeling of the presence of God, that confidence, that sense that I've been here all along. I'm here right now. So just keep going forward. And so once you get enough of those stories in your, in your heart, down in your spirit, it just makes you want to go further and be more bold and, you don't want to test the Holy Spirit right. and go where angels wouldn't tread. But at the same time, when I hear people say, I can't believe you go that, you know, to those places and, and do what you're doing, I'm like, I, n- I never thought about it when I'm there because I just feel the presence of God. And I don't mean to put myself on a pedestal in any way right. because I'm very practical. Like I said, I mean, we, we lock everything down and we, <laughs> uh, you know, take all the precautions we can. But when things happen, we say, well, God knows he's still with us. Yeah. The, the picture I have in my head is like getting to the edge of faith and mm-hmm. then taking that next step. Is that kind of how it feels sometimes? It feels like you're at the edge of faith. And yet when you take that next step, faith is there as well. Right. You know, you feel like you've gone as far as the light is shining and you're going to step into darkness. But when you take that step... It's like when the children of Israel stepped down into the river, the water's parted. It's it's not going to be wet. Okay. And it never has been. Right. And so we've never been burnt. I mean, we've been hurt, but not consumed. Right. Okay. And it's always been growing. I think Cindy may could share yeah. something about, particularly with our kids. Oh, okay. And health issues, just the concerns and, and challenges that we've had over the years, and just knowing that God's always been there? Uh, well, uh, we always told our children, whatever you do, do not get hurt. Don't fall off the tree. Don't, you know, climb up and fall down. Don't ride your bicycle too fast. If you get hurt, there's no hospital here. If we take you, they'll cut your arm off. <laughs> and that has happened to other children. So we, we put the fear of God into them. Don't get hurt. <laughs> but to add on to Kelly, uh, one of the challenges, maybe a place of failure, we like we feel like a failure, is when we've poured ourselves into some of the nationals and, and we feel like we've given them so much and then they might um, turn away or... Uh, go a different route and that hurts yeah. and it makes you not want to help anybody again. But we have to remember we're help, we're doing it for the Lord, not for, for ourselves. Yeah. You know, as, as you guys are sharing this, the, the thing that's going through my mind is that for some people, the edge of faith, the edge of that place that they can step into might be 
sharing their faith in their workplace. And, and that might be the place that somebody needs to step into. Do you have any encouragement or any suggestions for somebody who's, who's at the place where they're going, man, I really need to step beyond where my faith ends now. They don't want to step in presumption, but they want to be able to follow God. Have you guys discovered anything that might be helpful? I'll say uh, a lot of times we don't know what people see in us. They're watching us. And our actions can, I mean, we need to speak, but our actions can say a lot. Um, For example, Kelly, his drive is to win the men to Christ. He knows once the men are one, then the families will follow. And we've seen that over and over again, where the men have been led to Christ, and they've seen our relationship, our family relationship. They've watched our behavior and our actions, and it says a lot. Do you guys have uh, a personal habit, maybe something that you do as a family or individually that you've seen that has contributed to what God's been able to do in your lives in ministry? Eating noodle soup. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 a lot of times I get to share about what we're doing and, and we talk about evangelism as being a key component to what we do. Evangelism, discipleship, training leaders, reaching out for kids, two kids. And one of the greatest evangelistic tools that I've ever found is noodle soup. Really? And coffee. Okay. <laughs> In Cambodia, the country where we work, the, uh, uh, it's common for men to go down to the noodle shop in the morning and have coffee and noodles. Okay. And so I found that that's the time when they're relaxed and open to talk. And so I would visit those places and, and get to know men or invite men out and say, hey, I'll just, just get together for noodles in the morning. And they're like, oh, yeah, because they like to be seen. It's like going to Hardy's right. in the morning here in the U.S., so the noodle shop in Cambodia. So it's all about making friends. That friendship, uh, evangelism, mm-hmm. that uh, you encounter someone that once they in, uh, trust you as a friend, that you can start challenging them on spiritual things. And I found that you can turn anything, anything towards a spiritual meaning. I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about spiritualizing everything. I'm just right. talking about any subject you're on. You can't, you can't say, well, we never did get to a spiritual subject. No, you can turn any subject into, if, if, if that's your intent, yeah. if your friendship is to make sure that your friend spends an eternity in heaven with God and with you, then you'll find a place and God will open the doors for you. Can yeah. you share a little bit more about that? Just the, the, the fact that it's, anything can become a spiritual conversation? Well, for, for me, a lot of times, especially early on when we were in Cambodia, we're, we're always language learning. Yeah. So when I would meet older men, I would uh, always try to learn new words. And I would uh, eventually get to a word that has a spiritual connotation to it. Okay. And I would say, you know, that, that word, because Cambodia has two, two types of language. They have a, the common language and the high language. Okay. And the high language you use with, with uh, the king, the royal family, and so forth. But we, always, we also use it with God and okay. for Jesus. You can't just call Jesus a man. He's, a, he's the God man. Okay. And so I said, wow, you know, how do you say this word? And sometimes I actually even know the word. But I ask them how to pronounce it more properly and so forth and so on. And that turns the whole subject to a spiritual uh, context. That's excellent. Yeah. Being able to use the fact that you're constantly learning to. Yeah, because people need, people, I don't care who they are. It seems like everybody wants to help somebody else. Yeah. 
They may not act like it, but it, deep in their heart, people feel good about themselves when they help someone else. So if you can provide an opportunity for someone to help you, yeah, they already feel good about themselves. They have something to contribute. And I know as missionaries, sometimes going into a third world country, we can sometimes come across with this downward, I've got what you need. You don't have anything here. I, you know, you need what I have. But I like turning it around and say, man, you know, I, I want to learn your language. Can you help me? Can you help me? You know, someone that's much poorer than you are. And they may have been looking at to you as the, you know, the so-called great white man. And here you're in need and they're the one that can help you. And it, you know, it, it, it plays on the, uh, it builds self-esteem in people as well. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it like being the, being perceived as uh, an exalted person, if you will, and then needing help. That, that really is powerful because we're yeah. all just people. Yeah. And that's great. And Christ humbled himself yeah. and became a man. He's our example. Yeah. He probably yeah. didn't really need our help either, did he? No, he didn't. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break for the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute, brought to you by Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Hi, this is Scott McClelland with your Leadership Minute. I'd like to talk to you about a couple of key ingredients to leadership that, just like in any recipe, we have to include the essential items in order to get the outcome we're looking for. Two such things I'd like to speak about here are talent, number one, and number two, persistence. Talent is what comes to us from God and is given individually based on His grace for us and our lives. Number two, persistence. Persistence is what we do to cultivate the talent that's been given to us. Talent alone won't overcome the need for persistence and persistence will work within the scope of the grace we've been given. When you think about leadership, think about what has God gifted you in, in terms of talent. How many talents, if you will, do you have? And how persistent are you being with what's been given to you? These are two things to consider as you're making the most of what God's given to you and your contribution to others. This is Scott McClellan with your Leadership Minute. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so at fxmissions.com or on most social media channels at fxmissions. Have a good one. This has been the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute. If you have any leadership questions that you'd like for Scott to address, please send those to feedback at engagingmissions.com. So with that, I would like to go ahead and transition, though. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about the ministry. We've kind of gotten to know you guys, but you have a lot going on in Cambodia. I, I know that I only scratched the surface with the couple of things that I called out. And I know from mm-hmm. some of the trips that you took and you've visited our church before and shared some of the things that are going on, there's a lot going on there. Can you share maybe one or two things that are really exciting you about what's going on right now? Yeah, so Brian, our, our our main focus is church. Okay. And and for me, missions can be summed up in one word, church. Okay. And if we missionaries go to a foreign field and do mission work, and the end result is not that there is a church established, mm-hmm. we've missed the mark. And it doesn't mean we have to do everything that pertains to starting and establishing a church, but everything you do should in some way play into that 
effort because that's why Christ came right. for the church. And so that's, that's our church planting is our main focus. We okay. do that in many ways. And one of the ways that we work is I have personally, we have personally planted churches. But right now what we're focusing most of our attention on is training leaders who will go out and plant churches. Okay. And we speak from our experiences and it really helps. Uh, like Cindy mentioned earlier, I, I try to focus on heads of households, mm-hmm. the fathers, because I know that sometimes if you win the children and, and the women, the ladies first, it sometimes really makes it really hard for fathers to come right. and, uh, you know, the child's flipping through the Bible and finding the verses and dad's over there like, man, I don't even know, you know, what he's talking about. Right. And here my son can pray and, or my wife can, you know, open the Bible right to the right passage. So my focus has been, you know, reaching the fathers yeah. and it's all about discipleship. So we're doing, uh, we're doing the leadership training. I'm working with the Bible school right now mm-hmm. in, in Cambodia. I'm the director okay. of our national Bible school, have been for a number of years, but we also work with children. And so our children's ministry has been focused mainly on helping kids, uh, get educated. And so whether it's, uh, sponsoring a kid to go to the government school or schools that we have started, we have our own private Christian schools that we've started. Mm-hmm. And we have a K through 12 school. We have some preschools and that's a big job. If that's the only thing I did in Cambodia, <laughs> it'd be way more than I can handle, yeah. but it's only a part of what we're doing. And then we have medical outreaches. We have uh, medical teams that come out and we go out and, and try to uh, show the love of God in a very practical way. Yeah. And so I would say uh, leadership training, mm-hmm. And uh, working, sponsoring kids and helping them get educated. And obviously, as a missionary, my main concern is that they learn about God, yeah. the Word of God. And, uh, you know, you can, you can find God in every subject at school, yeah. in math, in science, in, in, uh, in the languages, in the, in the uh, creative skills, uh, the music and drama and all those. God's in everything, yeah. and if you'll let Him be. Yeah. And so we enjoy that. So one of the things that... You know, it, it seems like a lot of times in terms of ministry, people reach out to children and to women first. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, from what I understand, that can create a very, a potentially unsafe situation in the home. Um, potentially, you know, being ostracized or in mm-hmm. some way being injured or even being kicked out of the home. But going mm-hmm. after the fathers first yeah. it isn't something I've heard a lot about. I think that's great. Does, do you yeah. find that that creates a safer and a more cohesive environment in the home? And uh, yes, it does. And, and, and what you mentioned that children sometimes get ostracized, kicked out of the family, sometimes beat yeah. because they uh, openly accept Christ in their family in a Buddhist country. Uh, we've seen that many times, many times. And to, to reach the father, he's, he's his own man in the village. So if he takes that stand, it's not easy for him. Right. But once he does, his family follows him. And it's not a family decision, so to speak. It's, but yet they feel safe. Right. Uh, mom feels safe. The children feel safe. Even the grandparents, aunts and uncles feel safe because of a man taking his stand for Christ. Really? Yeah. Aunts and uncles too. Yes. I never would have considered that. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Cindy, is there anything that he hasn't shared yet that you're wishing we would have talked about as far as what's going on with the ministry? Um, like he said before, it's it's always changing. Um, 
we we find that our we often are filling needs on the field. So we okay. we try to be flexible. Mm-hmm. We don't go to the field saying I can only do this, I'll only do that. We found over the years those that would say I'll do whatever needs to be done, they last longer. So that's why things change. One time we'll come home and we say, hey, we're doing the orphanage. Next time we came, we're doing the Bible school. Uh, Now we're helping at the Christian school. So things change and we're always wanting to be flexible and used where God will have us. What's the... What's the biggest surprise as you guys started the, the ministries and what you have going on? What's, what's one of the big surprises that you've run into? Um, that we lasted this long so yes. far. <laughs> we, uh, we went to Thailand in 1989, okay. and people would say, well, how long are you going to be here? And we'd say, well, forever, or as long as God will have us here. Yeah. And and then he, a few years later, we moved to Cambodia, and people say, well, how long are you going to be there? And we said, uh, we don't know, as long as God will have us. If he wants us to leave tomorrow, we're gone. Um, but that we've been in Cambodia this long and seen all the changes that have happened in those 20 plus years. It's amazing, surprising. Yeah. So not, not having a prepared plan B, C, D. Yeah. We only have a prepared plan A. I, I guess if God has a plan B for us, he'll have to put it together because I have no idea what that would be at this point. Yeah. As you think about the, the ministry, um, I think about the way oftentimes I perceive that people approach ministry sort of out of a place of strength or out of a place of sometimes duty. Um, But it seems like there has to be a a passion or a a deep sense of calling underpinning it if you're going to last a long time. Can you share with us what it is that kind of fuels the passion that you have, maybe maybe the need that you feel that you're meeting or the, the, the way that God's approached it so that it sticks with you over the years? Oh, good question. Really good question. I I can't say much more than just from the very beginning when I felt called, I I I had no idea what God was going to use me for. I really didn't. The only thing I knew how to do was raise farm animals. I could drive a tractor, I could plant corn and all this. And I'm like I'm not a speaker, I'm not a, you know, public speaker in any way or a traveler. I mean, I hardly left Monroe County until I was, uh, you know, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. But how God uh, just leads you that one step at a time. And when you step into that next step, you're like, this is not so bad because you know God's God's in it. Yeah. And um, I don't know, Cindy, you have... I don't have the answer. I know that Though I didn't know what he was going to use me for, I did know that I had committed every ounce of my life to him. And that relieved me from all the fears and anxieties of, so what's it going to be? How am I going to make that work? How am I going to, you know, what if I'm not able to do the job? It didn't matter. Because I was totally, absolutely committed You know, as, as you were talking about that, one of the things I'm thinking about is that there are ups and downs, right? Everybody's life has ups and downs. It wouldn't be life if it didn't. Um, and with some of those downs come places of discouragement or places of potentially despair. And 
I find in my life that very often God intervenes in those places and he does something that strengthens or encourages me, whether it's someone speaking into my life or him giving me a, a, a small revelation or just him telling me, hey, I'm here with you. What are the things that have encouraged and strengthened you guys over the years? Um, well, there have been some times where uh, we'll, people will say, I prayed for you on a certain day or at a certain time. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes when you're halfway across the world, you're, you're thinking, does anybody remember me back there? Uh, but then God will put put us on somebody's heart and they'll say, hey, I was... I was just taking a shower, and you popped right into my head. And as I was working away, I was just praying for you. And that really encourages us to know that people are praying for us. Yeah. You, know, you guys being essentially 50% of the world away, right? You're almost half the circumference of the world away. It can be really hard to maintain distant relationships over the miles. I think of growing up as a teenager, we always thought the long-distance relationship would work, and that was like 100 miles, right? What do you guys do? How are you able to continue to engage and involve your prayer partners, your ministry supporters? What are the things that you're able to do that involve people in what you're doing? You're right. We're 12 time zones away. Yeah. So literally there's a couple of windows during the day where we're up and people back here are up. <laughs> and there are only a couple hours in each window. And, and if you don't catch people, you can't call somebody at 10 o'clock at night, which is 10 o'clock in the morning here. Yeah. And them say, oh, he's busy now. Can he call you after lunch? <laughs> your after lunch is 1 o'clock in the morning for right. me. I can do that, but it really messes with my next day. Yeah. So Internet, Facebook, email. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't do much Twitter, but uh, these kind of social media have really helped us. Oh, good. Uh, posting prayer needs, uh uh, praise reports, those kind of things where literally 24 hours a day, no matter when you post something, there'll be somebody. Somebody's laying in their bed here at night <laughs> yeah. with Facebook on. And I don't, I know that's not a good thing always, but sometimes it is because they can say, I'm praying for you. Just those two words, I'm praying for you. Or is that three words? <laughs> yeah, it means a whole lot yeah. because it means real time. You know, because if you send a letter, sometimes it can take months. Yeah, we we still get Christmas gifts in Jan, in uh, July, <laughs> you know, almost every year. That's great. Something will come through. You know, Merry Christmas in July, because things get held up. So if we had yeah. to depend on that, still, uh, it's just a very different day right now. Yeah, phone calls they work for us, mm-hmm. but not well. It's sure. it's the social media. That has really been a, a boost for us wow. the last few years. I never thought I'd say this, but let's hear it for Facebook, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank God it's free. Yeah. Okay. Do you know a ministry leader, church planter, or a missionary who you believe would be a great guest for our show? Why not let me know about them? I rely on you and my former guests to help me find missionaries and ministers who are rock solid in what they do and how they approach ministry. I'm not necessarily looking for the proverbial rock star. Many of my guests have done things that might seem amazing, and others are heroes of the faith simply because of their faithful obedience. But all of them have one thing in common. Jesus is the absolute center of what they do and why they do it. If you know somebody who fits the bill, let me know. Send an email to feedback at engagingmissions 
www.thepodcastpodcast.com and let me know who they are and how I can reach out to them. And be sure to let them know that I'll be reaching out to them as well. Again, that's feedback at engagingmissions.com. Well, with that, I would like to go ahead and switch our focus just a little bit and focus a little bit more on the, the listeners, the people who are listening to the show. I know from what I look at that most of the people who are connected to the show are here in the U.S., a few in the broader North America, but most of them are here. Most of them are in the marketplace. They care about missions, but they're, they don't feel called to vocational ministry, if you, if you will. And some of them start to wonder throughout the days if what they're doing in business really matters. What would you tell somebody if they started to ask you, you know, they're sharing their heart with you and they're going, man, some days I just don't know if what I'm doing in business or in the marketplace really matters in the kingdom. Uh, I would say you're wrong. <laughs> okay. That, you know, there's a lot of really, really good people, uh, very uh, intimately and, and importantly involved in the mission of God. And the mission of God is missions, to get his word out around the world. And it takes consistency. It takes faith. Mm-hmm. It takes faith to believe that if I pray, God touch the Robinettes today, God protect them, God give them good health, in Jesus' name, amen. It takes faith to believe that that prayer means anything. Yeah. But the truth is it does. It absolutely does. And especially if it's done consistently, you know, if you don't, if you, uh, pray for me, uh, I, I thank you if you pray for me once a week or, or once a month yeah. or once a year, you know, like going to church on Easter, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's better than nothing. Yeah. But what I would really appreciate is that, you know, every day you have a prayer list and you just run through the names. You know, Paul talked about, I mentioned your name in prayer. It, it's not always how much and what all the fancy words you use, yeah. but that you bring up a person before the throne of grace and say, God, I just want you to remember, you know, so-and-so today. Yeah. So that consistency in prayer and then giving. Um, there's only three things you can do to be involved in missions. It's right. pray, give, and go. Right. And we don't need everybody coming. Right. <laughs> a few would be nice. But the two things that people, all people can do is to pray and to give. And the giving, you know, it's not what we've noticed that in our ministry, it's not always those big donors that give the six-figure donations, right. which don't come in very often. Uh, but it's those people that consistently, every, every paycheck, they set aside a portion for missions. Mm. You know, they pay their tithes into the church, but then they set aside a portion for missions and they pray God to stretch them all the time. And I can tell you, this is not bragging, but we have consistently supported missionaries Mm -hmm. ourselves all the years that we've been in missions. We consistently give above our tithes into missions. We don't just do it with words, but we actually take from our paycheck every month and give to missions. And I think God blesses that. He blesses that. And so people out in the workplace, uh, pray that God would, would increase your capacity to give more right. and to pray more. And in giving, you know, like it, it doesn't have to be the millions, but just consistently doing in every year, try to do a little more. Yeah. I remember somebody uh, some time ago, I don't even remember who it was or how long ago, just sharing that the secret to being a six-figure giver is really just to give a little bit over time. 
all the time to give consistently mm. because we, we sometimes do elevate somebody who's able to write a check for a hundred thousand dollars at one time. But we also think about the woman with the, the widow's might, you know, right? yes. everybody's giving a big gift and one, one lady gives basically three cents, uh-huh. yeah, a couple of coins. And that in Jesus eyes was the biggest gift of all. And I'm also really encouraged because you shared about people, you know, sometimes just remembering to say a name and to pray that one line, that one word prayer. You know, as I, my wife and I pray for missionaries every night before we go to bed. And the list keeps growing because I keep meeting more of them. And, okay. and at some point we can't, we can't stay up till 2 a.m. every day praying <laughs> for missionaries. And so the way we pray for people has to change. And this is actually a personal question for me. Do you have any suggestions for how to approach that? Because we don't want to just give lip service to prayer. But at the same time, the practicality is we can't pray for 50 missionaries every night in depth. Yeah. I, sometimes when I pray for people, I give God a list of names. Yeah. And then I pray one prayer for them. I pray that God would, you know, speak to their hearts today, that they'd be tender to the Holy Spirit, sensitive to His leading. Yeah. They would protect them, provide their needs, and give them fruit that remains. Mm-hmm. Paul talked about having fruit that remains. You know, not that we just do things just to be doing things, but we do things that matter for eternity. And I don't know, I don't know, that helps me. I, I know of people that spend hours and hours in prayer because their list is long, but then they take a lot of time with each need. And, and sometimes God will say, you know, stop at this name or stop with this person and just spend a little time and intercede for them. Break, mm-hmm. break the chains of darkness that are holding them back. You know, fight. It's a battle. Yeah. We gotta fight. But for many, most of the time, Mm-hmm. It's just that consistency, you know, Lord, you know, we have, we have a lot of people that work for us and with us. Uh-huh. We call them team members. There's a, about 50 right now. Oh, wow. That, yeah, in Cambodia. So, you know, I can't spend right. 10, 15 minutes on each one, right. but just calling their names before the Lord and say, and then we have, you know, almost a thousand kids that we're ministering to, and I don't know their names. Right. But God does, and so I can re- I can lift them up to Him in, in a, as a group, and say, Lord, you know each name and each need, and touch them, yeah, bless them. So my my wife was raised in the Episcopal Church, and I was raised in the Assembly of God Church. So our traditions are a little bit yeah, different. Yeah, and I'm reminded as you're sharing this that the tradition there with the prayers is that somebody will stand up and read the prayers, and they'll pray for people in the military or something, and then they'll just go through a list of every name. Just bringing that name. And so it is that one prayer for all of those people. And if they stop on a name, they stop on a name. And at the end, it's just everybody together. Lord, hear our prayer. Honor that prayer. Honor that person. And that's, that's powerful. I, I appreciate you sharing that on a personal level because it's something I've been struggling with for a while is how do I do that and honor uh-huh. the people that I'm connected with? So, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, what would you share with somebody who's living in the States or, you know, in, in North America and they look around and they start to realize that they're surrounded by other cultures, that their neighbors, their coworkers, or somebody who came from a place where five or 10 years ago, we sent missionaries there mm-hmm. and nobody came back. And now that's not the case. You know, we have refugees coming from all over the Middle East into our area. And so we're continually surrounded by people who come from different religions, different cultures, different understandings of the world. What would you share with them? Oh, another good question. Yeah. Uh, know that 
my advice is that everybody should know that culture is very, very uh, important to people, all, all peoples. Everybody comes with a culture. It, it, was, it was ingrained in them as a child. And the people that are coming to America right now, they, I think for the most part, come here because they're very uh, excited about this new culture. But they may not have it all figured out, okay? okay. Uh, but they still love their culture. But they can't have both. Mm-hmm. But they can have a little bit of both. And I think a, a good way to be a good neighbor or a friend to a, to a newcomer is to be interested in their culture, where they came from, first yeah. of all. But then also offer assistance and help if you see that they're not quite understanding our culture and maybe give some background of why, why, people, why Americans do what we do, <laughs> yeah. if you can explain it. And uh, it's not that they embrace everything about mm-hmm. the American way, because what is American? Right. I mean, is it, is it Southwestern or is it Northeastern? Or is right. it Northwest or is it... You know, South Florida. What culture really describes America? Well, so you got to get down to the to the core uh, parts of our American culture, and that is that uh, we're a God fearing, freedom loving country, and that's why people come here. Yeah, and so to help them to understand that, but to show appreciation for that person's culture, you got to ask them about it. Yeah, and yeah. So are there any ways that you guys have found help you effectively bridge some of that culture gap? I realize that you're kind of on the reverse of that, right? You're going into another culture, but you still have to bridge that culture gap and kind of understand how you are and understand how they are and be able to bridge that with an eye on the gospel. Probably number one is learning their language. Oh. Uh, by learning their language, you're, you're saying, hey, I want to be here. I want to know about you. I, I think your language is great. Uh, and it's Great opportunity to open doors. Okay. Yeah. We, we're convinced that you can't extricate language and, and culture. I mean, they're, they're intertwined. You can't learn a language. If you're doing language learning right now, whatever country you're in, you've got to be learning the culture at the same time because they explain each other. That's interesting. Yeah, they explain each other. Because that's completely different from the way we approach language learning in high school, right? Yes. All you learn is conjugation. Yeah, you study a language, you don't actually learn it. Yeah, that's, I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Do you have a, a tool, maybe some internet resource or something that you use on a regular basis that you'd like to share with our listeners as a resource for them? Um, other than Google? <laughs> that, could, that could be it. And Wikipedia? Yeah. Oh my goodness, there's so much stuff on the internet now, and it's really hard to pinpoint. There's a lot of good... Uh, Bible study tools out there, uh-huh. but um, just be a learner, and and it's so easy to you know you got to watch about what you read on the internet mm-hmm. whether it's true or not. <laughs> but uh, I I love reading comments and and feedback that people yeah. give. Yes, because you learn a lot about the people that talk about others. Oh yeah, and and uh people you know you have to weed through a lot of stuff but you can come up with a lot of good ideas but um i th- i think if people will have an interest in learning always always reading and learning i mean i wasn't just being funny google right. yeah. and wikipedia are my go-to places for just about everything isn't that amazing and it guides me into other areas okay uh-huh. so i don't know if you have 
Do you have a, a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? You know, my book's going to be concerning missions. No, I didn't. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, I didn't know you were, I didn't even know you were writing a book. No, no. I'm just saying if I recommend a book, oh, yes, absolutely. it's going to be concerning missions. Yeah. And, and there's a book, it's been revised many times. It's called Perspectives on World Missions by, by Ralph Winter. Okay. And it's a really thick book, but that, and it takes you a while to get through it. You can pick and choose what you want to read, but there's a lot of good articles in that book perspective that would, you could spend a lifetime in that book. Okay. Yeah. We're going to take just a quick break to hear from next week's guest. Really convicted me, man, because I was thinking Mm -hmm. here I am been a Christian since I was 10 years old. and I can never remember (laughs) really telling somebody point blank, you know, what God has did in my life, you know, and so it was, it was convicting there too. And so from that point on, uh, I became, I became inv- uh, involved in a, a Bible study group or a, uh, a church, if you will, in Mickey's house. And, and God began to transform my life through that process, you know, and, and then got me back out into the, to seeing that I was put here for more than just a, 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 a pew sitter, uh, that I was supposed to be sharing the gospel and, and reaching others for Christ based on the things that I've been through in my life. And with that, we're going to get back to this week's guest as we close out the interview. So we're, we're almost done with our time together. Um, what I'd like to do before we say goodbye is just maybe get one last piece of guidance, maybe a last piece of advice or something. And then if there's a way for people to connect with you, I'd like to have you share that. And then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Um, there's a quote okay. that I live by, I try to live by, and that's from Jim Elliott said, he is no fool, gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I think that's been uh, a guiding principle in my life. Okay. And uh, I think if you think that went through, you'll you'll figure out yeah. there's a lot there. Uh, we have a website called fulllifekids.com. Okay. And it's uh, fulllifekids. And then we have a personal website, kellyrobinette.com. Okay. That folks could uh, follow up on us. We're still working on the website a bit, yeah. but hopefully get more uh, content on there and uh, update it as time goes by. Okay. And for those listening, all of this will be linked up at engagingmissions.com slash Robinette, R-O-B-I-N-E-T-T-E. So if you're driving to work right now or you're working out or whatever, you don't have to try and text yourself to remember what the links and stuff that we've shared. Just stop by there and we'll have all of that linked up for you. Uh, Kelly and Cindy, thank you guys so much. This has been wonderful. I absolutely enjoyed this. We did too. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes by visiting engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. Your feedback could be what helps another person connect with what God is doing around the world.